Welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show, and welcome to the third and final episode of our Mobile Growth Crystal Ball Series to round out the year 2021. We are thrilled to share with you forecasts and predictions for the year 2022 from some of the smartest folks in the mobile marketing space. In today's episode, we have Peggy Ann Charles, founder at Mobile Groove, Keith Kawahata, head of games at Applovin, Cameron Tom, director of sales at Addictive, and John Hook, CEO at Boomheads. Peggy dives into the world of retention marketing and talks about the factors that have contributed to its acceleration. Keith talks about the play to earn model that is already making waves and how Web3 ties into it. Cameron throws light on cross promotions and how these will be increasingly leveraged by game marketers and publishers. And to wrap up this episode, John tells us about the trend of game developers increasingly moving to self-publishing. Peggy Onsalz is a consultant, analyst, and writer at Forbes. She's also the founder at Mobile Groove, an app and content marketing agency. In today's episode, she tells us why retention could very well be the most important weapon in a group marketer's arsenal in 2022. Over to Peggy. Hi, I'm Peggy Ann Saltz, mobile analyst, tech consultant, senior writer at Forbes and founder of Mobile Groove, my app marketing and content marketing agency. 2022 will be remembered as the year that retention marketing became a buzzword. So what is retention marketing? Well, it's life cycle marketing at some level, but with a twist, very important, because rather than focus on acquiring new users, you focus on increasing the profitability of the ones you already have. So in a word, customer lifetime value rules. So why retention marketing and why now? Well, you know better than I do that changes in privacy and all the changes Apple threw at us in 2021 mean marketers are stuck a little bit between a rock and a hard place. It's tougher than ever to target, let alone retarget, not to mention loads more expensive. So a sharp focus on retention marketing makes incredibly important and real sense to do everything you can to make every customer you do acquire more valuable. So I want you to think about that and the money on the table here, right? So consider milestone research from Bain and company. They are the smart people who brought us the NPS score, the net promoter score. So their research holds weight and they found that it can cost between five and 25 times more to attract a new customer than retain an existing one. And that research, seminal research that it was, it is eight years old. It was at a time when you could say the world was one big, beautiful blue ocean, user data was plentiful and legal, and performance marketing was a near perfect science. Well, fast forward to now, and it's not that way anymore. And it makes sense because if it's five times cheaper to retain users than to acquire new ones, well, then it makes sense to do what you can to keep users longer. So what is a good retention strategy? Well, it's got a mix of components we've heard loads about for lots of years, nothing new there, but the momentum 
will pick up in 2022, and we will see marketers get down to business. So product, product, yes, absolutely. You can't keep users loyal to a bad app experience, so you have to have good product. No surprises or shortcuts there. Brand, brand, brand helps. Brand is a big help when it comes to filling the funnel and, more importantly, building the fandom that feeds retention. And let's not forget personalization or individualization because common sense, nobody wants to feel like a number. And in the spirit of the pirate metric, which I love, the RRR, right? I have come up with the three R's. You need to be relevant and be really real. So after nearly two years in various stages of lockdown, people are not happy. They have no patience for BS. So you need to be authentic and accurate, and that means being real. How do you do it? Well, you use the few data points you have to speak to users like people. So in everything you do, at every touch point, Everything you can imagine from the tone that you use to communicate, be it email, in-app, WhatsApp, whatever, to the stuff you suggest or recommend, be real, be relevant. So opportunities abound if you do your homework. So make 2022 your year to experiment and, of course, prosper. Thank you, Peggy. Retention is indeed the name of the game for very many growth marketers. Our next guest is Keith Kawahata, who will take over the next section to talk to us about the gaming industry learning to leverage the play-to-earn model. Keith heads games at AppLovin and is responsible for expanding AppLovin's advertising focus to now include amplification on the game development and the product side. Here's what Keith has to say. Keith Kawahata here, head of games at AppLovin. As I think to 2022 and make some predictions, by far the most interesting dimension within our industry right now has to be Web3. And you know, at the intersection between Web3, crypto, NFTs, whatever you want to call it, and gaming, we see the early signs of a new business model emerging, currently called Play to Earn. And that business model being focused on the on-chain virtual asset ownership element. Still very early in this cycle, However, investment into and the community around the space is just growing exponentially. Much as we saw in prior business model evolutions, I would expect crypto gaming to increase the audience transparency and inclusion within the market, both from a consumer perspective and from a developer perspective. And again, much as we saw in prior cycles, I would expect there to be uh, several contenders fighting to be the backbone of the play to earn ecosystem, which is going to make it highly fragmented to start, but that'll likely consolidate and standardize over time. And then digging a little deeper, I think NFTs in particular are going to grow much bigger in gaming and that gaming is going to help propel NFTs into the mainstream much more than they already are. And that the alternative of on-chain virtual asset ownership is not that big of a leap from the centralized and custodial ownership of virtual assets that has already existed in the gaming for decades. So what we're seeing in the Web3 space is that this business model is already providing opportunities for players, creators, developers to monetize and collaborate in new, exciting, and decentralized ways. I'm just to throw out a couple stats. 
you know, I think there's something like $2 billion of volume on NFTs in the first couple months of this year of 2021 alone, which was something like a 2000% increase from the fourth quarter of 2020. I would expect that volume increase and audience increase to be propelled by gaming and yeah, to propel the whole ecosystem into the mainstream in 2022. Thank you, Keith. Those stats are quite a revelation indeed. Our next guest is Cameron Tom, Director of Sales at Addictive. Cameron dives into the world of cross-promotion for game publishers and tells us about the factors that have accelerated the adoption of cross-promotion. Over to Cameron. I'm Cameron Tom with Addictive. Our prediction for 2022 is a meteoric rise in cross-promotion for gaming publishers. When we say cross-promotion, we're talking about sending a user of your existing app, the source app, to a new app, the destination app, with an install ad. Three factors are driving this prediction. One, the Apple privacy changes limit user-level targeting capabilities for non-IDFA inventory, which has caused UA costs for opt-in inventory to rise. Two, consolidation in the industry across companies that provide different services, supply, analytics, publishers, has advertisers questioning key relationships due to perceived conflicts of interest. Three, gaming studios going through acquisitions of their own are suddenly in charge of different genres of games with very diverse audiences. So what's been the response to these factors so far, and how does this set up the rise of cross-promotion for marketers? Well, we've seen a trend towards further consolidation on spending toward the self-attributing networks like Facebook and Google as marketing teams went more risk-averse during the initial response to iOS 14. Performance retargeting, while thought to be extinct, kept chugging along to see enough users opt-in, around 30% on gaming, to still have an addressable audience, and in fact, have better performance on revenue returns overall. However, not everyone adopted performance retargeting, and for some genres like hyper-casual, it often lacked the unit economics to warrant running it. This leaves marketers looking for an answer that already had been in use by some teams, cross-promotion. And while ad, ad IDs will go away, companies can still track users across their portfolio with IDFE or publisher ID. There are two traditional ways companies have addressed cross-promo. If you make money on ads like hyper-casual games do, you have a pretty quick LTV and churn arc. So beyond the first ad, it doesn't risk you anything to purchase an impression or two from yourself to advertise on your own app. Now, if you do care who sees ads and monetize over longer periods of time with purchases, you don't want to risk alienating that user and need to limit that risk through segmenting by user behavior, ad format, and position in the waterfall to be more thoughtful in your approach. An example is users who play a ton but rarely make purchases. Not much risk there. But still, you're purchasing your own inventory with your competition and trying to limit risk through resource-intensive studies on which audiences and behaviors to minimize negative impact. So how is this overcome in 2022? We see advancements in diagnosing and predicting user behavior with data science, making growth teams more accurate in pinpointing and actioning on which each user will do and when they'll do it. This creates the opportunity to further pinpoint the next app that user is most likely to appreciate within your portfolio potentially even across genres. As a user's awareness grows from an individual title to that of a studio with a portfolio, publishers have the opportunity to create a longer and more profitable relationship 
with their user base. That's why we see studios betting big on cross-promo in 2022. Thank you, Cameron, for describing how the mechanics of cross-promotion will evolve from here in 2022. Our final guest is John Hook, who shares with us how there's an accelerating shift towards self-publishing for game developers and what the factors are that have resulted in this. Let's hear it from John. Hi, Shemath. Thanks for having me back for your end-of-year special episode on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. It's been a great year, and what do I think are going to be some of the top trends as we look into next year. So I think for me, obviously on the game development side, one of the the big trends is going to see this greater move to self-publishing for games developers. Why do I see that happening? You know, a few reasons. First of all, there's more and more great self-serve UA technology partners and, and services than ever before. So that barrier is kind of removed because it's very easy to work with great partners who have got all the technology you need from, you know, the mediation, the ad network, the attribution tools, the creative tools, um, as well as being able to put some knowledge on, on top of that. Secondly, I think the barrier of growth capital in UA funding, there's loads of great UA funding companies that are around now, particularly if you've had a hit game and you're looking to raise money, there's such a vibrant community of angel investors as well. And also a classic hyper-casual publishing model just feels really outdated now for these top studios. I think there's some new blend of sort of VC slash publishing service models coming in. Speaking really honestly, I think a lot of the hyper-casual game community is a bit worn down now because of ATT and just sheer volume of competition. We've just seen crazy CPIs on Facebook, iOS and Android. So then more people are trying to test on TikTok and it depends on the game and try and find new ways to go. But I think we're seeing a lot of hyper-casual studios realise that if you break free from the publishing model and actually focus on games with more LTV, it gives you freedom to create a different kind of game. So I think that's driving it as well. Last point, it might be a bit contentious, but I think the rise of play-to-earn blockchain games is now really, really interesting, particularly for hyper-casual developers or certainly studios that can build games with a sort of bit more uh, meta to them. Well, for me, the way I'm seeing these sort of private token sales and NFT drops, it's a way very quickly if you've got a really neat idea and you can execute well, where you can, you know, there's been a few examples recently, you can raise one to three million dollars very, very quickly use that to basically start building your studio, hire the team you want, and you could have two parts of your business. You could have your game development team for mobile games and your blockchain team, but it completely then frees you from the need for any publishing partner in the short term because you've just raised two, three million dollars. So you can actually focus on building the game, building out your own um, tech and tools, and then it's entirely down to you whether a publisher fits in. So in summary, I think all of these moving parts next year are super exciting for mobile games uh, developers that are looking to gain more freedom and move into the distribution side of the business themselves. And I'm really excited to see what everyone delivers next year. And you know, best of luck with all the game development, and I wish you all uh, happy holidays. Excellent. Thank you, John. Thank you, Peggy, Keith, Cameron, and John again for sharing your predictions with us in this final episode of the Mobile Growth Crystal Ball series. You can check out our first two episodes in the series on mobileuseracquisitionshow.com or wherever you get your podcast fix. 
Our first episode features Danica Wilkinson talking about evolution of creatives and creative testing, Andy Carvel talking about subscription optimization, and John Ketzier talking about the possibility of a scandal on iOS. Our second episode features Melissa Zalouf talking about in-housing of creators, Natalia Drost talking about the shift away from Facebook and Google, and Jerome Turnbull talking about the evolution of alternate payment options. We've come to the end of the Mobile Growth Crystal Ball 2022 series, and incidentally, also the end of the episodes of the Mobile User Acquisition Show for 2021. We're taking a break until the next year, and we will be back with a new set of ideas, new set of episodes, and a new set of guests to make this podcast bigger and better, and to hopefully answer all your questions about all things mobile user acquisition. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for reading. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all of your wonderful support all through the year. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And have a great 2022.